I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many Batman podcasts. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! with fans and people, people who Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you are listening to an audio variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, TimDrakesCakes.com. Hate forks and knives but love shoving cake in your face like a monster at weddings? Then this is the website run by a little boy who fights crime at night who eats cakes at weddings just like that for you. Guys, today's a very special episode. I think we can all put our hands together and stand up and applaud for our friend Bruce Wayne who finally gets married to a plant woman in the episode Chemistry. I'll be talking about it with the writer of said episode, Stan Berkowitz, and after that... I'll be sitting down with good buddies Dan Lippert and Harry Chaskin to dig into it further. Speaking of which, before we dive into things, I wanted to let you know that I've got a new stop-motion animated short of my own online made with both of those guys called Monster Island. It's a love letter to giant King Kong and Godzilla-style monsters. Uh, The color looks really great and vibrant. The people at Stupid Buddies Studios produced it. They do Robot Chicken and my other series, Friendship All-Stars of Friendship. If you like monster movies and buddy comedies, please check it out on Vimeo at Stupid Buddy Studios' Vimeo page. We would love for you to watch it. All right, it's time for... Today's episode, Chemistry. Bruce Wayne hangs up the cape and cowl after he finds the perfect woman, a green-eyed gal named Susan. But everything's not what it appears to be when Batgirl and Robin stumble on how Poison Ivy's involved. Original air date, October 24th, 1998. Written by Stan Berkowitz. Directed by Butch Lukic. Music by Christopher Carter with animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. Featuring Linda Hamilton, a.k.a. The Terminator's original Sarah Connor as Susan, Tim Matheson as Michael Vreeland, Mary Lou Henner as Veronica Vreeland, and Diane Pershing as Poison Ivy. Today's guest, Stan Berkowitz. Stan's no stranger to the DC animated universe. He wrote on everything from Batman, Superman, and Batman Beyond to Static Shock and Justice League. He also wrote the direct-to-video adaptation of Darwin Cook's wonderful Justice League, The New Frontier, and on other shows like the 1990 Spider-Man, not to mention Dragnet and TJ Hooker back in the day. So, let's get to it. Chemistry. Chemistry. We're sitting down to talk about it. This is actually the second time we've recorded it, for those of you who will never hear the first recording, because uh, of the computer quitting. So, this was the episode where Bruce Wayne famously gets married. To a vegetable. To a vegetable. Sort of a Stepford Wives story, inspired by uh, Paul's Paul Dini's um, earlier episode. Yeah, House and Garden. House and Garden. Yeah, uh, which was Poison Ivy creates 
clones of uh, somebody mm-hmm. she knows and creates her own family and then clones herself. All plant clones. So well, it's elements. clearly inspired by, by Paul's thing, which in turn inspired by Stepford Wives. And it feels like you, you liked to like pull from Paul's older episodes. Well, build in, the, off of in, in the two we've talked about today, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are some that, <laughs> that bear no relationship. Sure. Um, not a lot. Actually, I'm I'm wondering in when when we came back for the reboot yeah. of, of the you know the second the second I guess you call the it new the second, Batman adventures the new Batman adventures I wonder how many of them were inspired by pre by older episodes there are definitely a few that pull from it a lot of them and not not that many new characters utterly new characters as I recall we we kept going back to the the same well but it did but. I don't think we suffered from it. I mean, no, it was great to see those characters expanded upon. Uh, I feel like it was great to see, like in this case, you sort of had touched upon in, in what we lost in the interview. Uh, seeing the side of Bruce, like Bruce, Bruce was the impetus to like create the the problem with the villains. You know, like you said, Paul Levitz came in. And, oh yeah, yeah. Well, Paul was talking about Superman, right? In saying that, you know, sometimes you create. A, a fertile source of stories is if you create a problem for the the alter ego, whether it's Clark or Bruce, and then the hero has to deal with it. In this case, the problem was Bruce uh, falling in love, initially tricked into it by pheromones, supposedly, but finding it very comfortable because he's he's found the perfect woman, a woman who apparently has no needs of her own. And is there simply to fulfill his needs constantly, always. Right, which you originally kind of, you wanted nothing to do with the pheromone aspect of it. You wanted him just to be convinced. Right, right. But, but Alan, Alan and I actually argued about that one point. And he said, so I guess the compromise is what, what you get in the episode is that the pheromones attracted him at first. And then after that, it was... After that, he couldn't use that as an excuse. That, oh, it was the pheromones. It was the pheromones that addled my mind. What addled him was that this woman did whatever, whatever he wanted. She, she fit him like a glove without, without apparently having any needs of her own. And it was just too good to be true. Right. And she has that line at the end, which one of my favorite lines. Uh, the you know, relationships, Bruce, relationships, aren't easy. relationships aren't supposed to be easy. Even I know that, and I'm a fucking vegetable. Right. We had to alter that line slightly for Right, the, you took out the word vegetable. Exactly. Uh, left you... Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that's great. We talked, you know, a bit about, like, how it's interesting that that theme is being presented in a show that's aimed at children, like, wondering if it went over their heads or uh, not. It had to have gone over their heads. It had to. Because, I mean, at that age... Maybe they have a crush on some somebody in in their classroom mm-hmm. or down the street. Maybe, maybe. But the last thing they're thinking about is what kind of compromises they're going to have to make in order to <laughs> um, have a good relationship with this person. Oh, that's what made this like an adult-ish show. I mean, sure, you've got like people pulling off their skin and fighting sentient vines, but then there's this aspect of it. Well, there's the, the you want to have action for the kids. And weird stuff that they haven't seen before, and a, a very kind of a smartass uh, Robin. And then for the adults, you have that whole extra level. I mean, a lot a lot of shows are like that. I mean, I, I go back and look at things 
um, that, that I enjoyed as a kid sometimes. And I see that there's a whole level that I didn't appreciate. Yeah. I mean, monster movies are certainly that way. I mean, you go, you go see a werewolf movie, and as a child, you want to see the transition. Period. As an adult, you go, oh, okay, that is about, that is about the bestial nature of man. And you know, at nighttime, you know, suddenly the, the this gentle guy becomes a, a vicious animal. Were you a monster movie fan? Or? Sure, like like any kid. Yeah. But again, I I wasn't aware of the, I I you watch for explosions and scary stuff happening. You don't really think about them as a, a work of art, or uh, or as someone trying to say something. Bride of Frankenstein. I'm like, oh, all right, we're going to see another monster. I mean, you, as a child, you're waiting to see a female version of Frankenstein, which is only at the end of that film. Well, as a, yeah, you're waiting for the the climax for you as a child is you want to see a female version of the Boris Karloff character. You don't get it. You get something a lot weirder. And then everybody, then he commits suicide. Yeah. I mean, arguably the best of those. Far and away. Yeah. Universal monster picks. Far and away. Because so it, was, it was, I mean, there, there, there were sequences in it where it's, it's scary and it's funny and it's heartrending all at the same time. You know, the bit in the, uh, with the, the blind guy. Yeah. Where he like takes up with that blind lodger. Yeah. And there's scenes where you see close-ups of Karloff where he's smoking happily. And I mean, how do you do that? How do you, how do you play around with tone like that and still have a successful film? Well, I feel like this episode that you worked on in particular has like many horrific elements to it. Well, I, I remember one other thing where, uh, where, um, Robin almost throws up. Yeah, that was Alan. That was for sure. Alan put that in. I mean, that's like one of the gross-out moments <coughs> of this episode. It's like when they see the the guy who you know, Veronica Breland's new husband back over at like Poison Ivy's home base uh, in the greenhouse or something. Uh, he like pulls off his skin. She, Maybe I, she pulls. She it pulls off. it off. Consider this an annulment. Oh yeah, and it's just like yeah, and there's that skin that, sitting on the line, ground too. The, the line came from. Um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, the uh, Total Recall, considered this a divorce, <laughs> which is funny. When, that when he shoots Sharon Stone, there's our uh, six degrees of separation or less. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger to Linda Hamilton, who plays, uh, you know, in Terminator and Terminator Two. She's also the voice of Bruce's wife, Susan, in this episode. Yes, my buddy Arnold. <laughs> I <laughs> you have and to, Arnold. I have talked to him on the phone. Really? Yeah, and um, I went to his restaurant a couple times, where he, you know, he would be there on on Sundays years and years ago, shaking hands and saying hey. No, he's with his friends smoking cigars and stuff. <laughs> so with this episode, he was, uh, a friend, he was a friend of my wife's. Oh, really? From, from the gym, yeah. That's amazing. It was amazing. It cost <laughs> cost me money. When when he ran for uh, governor the second time, she asked that I contribute to him, even though he is. Um, not in the same political arena that I'm in, but you know he he'd been nice to her, and <laughs> so I made a small contribution. There you go. He ended up being far more well. We'll we'll take politics Ar- Arnold, on another. Arnold, you mean like a the 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 almost extinct species of a moderate Republican? Yeah, I was gonna say moderate. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, not too many like him anymore. No, indeed. <laughs> so, back to chemistry. Sure. For a sec. Uh, what were some of the other? What were some of your other memories from that episode? It was just fun. It was so much fun to, to, put him in that position because again, he's a sap. Uh, like just like in Call to the Cat, he's a sap. He doesn't see what's going on around him. He's in this case, in this time, he's blinded by love. Although in Cult of the Cat, he was sort of blinded too. I mean, but in Cult of the Cat, I think Bruce or Batman was more of a apparent figure. Mm-hmm. I, I had the feeling that maybe an older brother to a to a wayward sister, or some that kind of a relationship, yeah. or a father uh, indulging a delinquent daughter and always trying to you know like helping her out of trouble. But never he couldn't come down on her quite hard enough because he, he just doesn't because he, he still likes her. In this one, he's just a flat out sap because he's he's in love with somebody, right? But what he's in love with isn't real. I mean, he's in love with uh, an almost like a fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's it's his fantasies come to life, and he doesn't have the reality checks to to say, oh, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Probably because he is, as you put it, not he's he's the the nightmare dater. Yeah, know? he's not he's not a good uh, partner when it comes to relationships. <laughs> no, no, and in fact, spoiler alert, because I'm going to mention something from Batman versus Superman. I wish you'd seen it because there is one sequence at the beginning where he wakes up in the morning, and I believe there's a woman next to him. And then you never, there's no reference at all to it at all afterward. Nothing. And I just wanted to confirm that what I thought I saw was, was accurate. I think there, I think you see him waking up and I think there's a woman there, as I recall. Yeah. Because, you know, talking about forgetting stuff, there's so much stuff that happens in that movie that I think a person could be forgiven for, for not remembering what happens at the very beginning. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, there's some woman there. End of story. Right. Is it his wife, girlfriend? Oh, we don't know. We never see her again. Who cares? It's Batman versus Superman. <laughs> but in in chemistry, he's he's naive. What he is is naive. Well, he there's even it felt like a joke line to me when he quits being Batman uh, to like you know Dick and Tim and Barbara in the Batcave. He he. He he says he says something like when he's like like Susan is everything to me like he says it like uh, Batman would talk about like he doesn't mean it yeah like and it's like oh you don't get it <laughs> you don't get it Bruce he doesn't get that he's well did when you saw it the first time did you did you think he was walking into a trap as I knew something was off as a kid I was like this doesn't seem right I don't trust her but I liked that we were distracted like watching the episode again I'm like oh we're being misdirected to look at Vreeland's sure husband is like you know like we're cutting away to that scene with like the laser grid which is a great creepy scene when he like walks through it and it just uh, and it grows back grows back Uh, but I feel like every time we could see Susan doing something nefarious we cut away uh, we never see that kind of like side of her until the end, which I thought was like a nice. See, in the twist. comic book, you'd find out that Bruce only married her because he knew all along that right. she was part of a scheme. But in this one, it's like, why not? Why not I like that he's duped. I think it's nice to see, you know, yeah. a Batman that is fallible sometimes. Well, it's it's not Batman that was fallible. It was Bruce Wayne, right? And it was because he is naive in certain areas. 
Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not an emotionally intelligent individual. He's shrewd. Right. But he's unaware of other people's emotions. Yeah, so of course it's, you know, the Bruce part of him that is failing Batman. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, he's, a, he's a partial person. Yeah, well, and of course this is only more fodder for him to never let anybody in. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> I mean, he definitely got married to a, an evil plant woman. And as you know, I mean, from watching Batman Beyond, he never married. Well, he never no. married again. And just as a bitter old man living in that uh, in that big house. Yeah. Just looking at pictures of... I mean, even then in Batman Beyond, he gets screwed over when he tries to find love again. Uh, he ends up dating a version of Rachel Gould oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talia's body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a real twisted episode. This one has that wonderful, creepy moment at the end on the cruise ship, uh, where it's like, "Why, Bruce? I'm your wife!" Like, and like the tentacles shoot out from yeah, underneath her dress, and I was like, "Ah!" Oh. Like that for me as a kid, I loved those like creepy moments, uh, and and they still hit now. They're really satisfying. There's a um, an old uh, '50s horror film called "I Married a Monster from <laughs> Outer Space," and it's it's a metaphor, you know. You marry somebody, and then you see that they're <laughs> that they're not exactly what you hope for. Yeah. That there there are sides to them that are maybe even scary. Well, and that's yeah. The complications of actually like having a long term relationship with anybody. Although although in this, I feel even like in a short term relationship. Yeah. I mean, you know you. You meet a girl at the bar, you take her home, and you discover she's a Republican. I mean, Jesus, what do you do? <laughs> uh, in this case, I feel like you're penalizing people for not, you know, for blindly, you know, just going into things. Don't trust the perfection. <laughs> well, that's that. That was it. I mean, it was if it's too perfect, it, it it can't be right. Yeah, that's not a healthy relationship. Any of them. I mean, you can. You know, we saw iterations of it across all like the rich and elite of Gotham. Like, I mean, in, in real life, what would happen is that you do fi- you find someone like that who'd be like that for a while, and then just it would just end because he or she. Would, would they couldn't keep up the app. Yeah, either you don't get along or you learn to adapt to one another and compromise. But if some but if, if one person feels like they're doing all the compromising, yeah. They would they would eventually just leave. Absolutely. Unexpectedly. Uh, I mean, I, I love this 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 one felt so again, it like it feels like there are lots of adult issues. <laughs> yeah. They're just uh, across like a real fun like sci-fi horror poison ivy story well as a child you you would that's what you'd see you'd see horror you'd see suspense you'd see action and if you happen to be watching with your your mother or father they'd be going whoa <laughs> you know there, there's there's a whole other level to this that... well, you even take some time in the beginning it's at a wedding mm-hmm. uh, and we sort of get like tim drake scarfing down cake <laughs> yeah. but otherwise like there's a, a pretty extended sequence of just like Hating posing for photos, yeah, uh, like Bruce and so you know, like there's there's it's almost like what you call like a meet cute now, uh, like that beginning of a romantic comedy. Yeah, well, you like, had to. I mean, you you, but it felt organic. I liked it. You yeah, know? I mean, you had to do that because otherwise, the the twelve year olds would have been even more suspicious that there was something going on that you were playing a game, and there was a pantyhose joke in there. Wasn't yeah, there? he. I mean, he was like. 
he's hold. I think it has to do with the garter or something, and like yeah. he makes a joke yeah. or she makes a joke, and he doesn't get it. Yeah, uh, and she's like, "I'm joking." Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and it was funny, you know, like it was fun to see him kind of taken out of his element by somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it, it was interesting. So yeah, you, it's a lot to cram into one episode. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, I don't. I do, mean, do, I was, do you watch? Do you watch current stuff? Well, it depends on what they've crammed. So they cram so much in now. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I, it's one of those things that I'm like, I can't believe you got it all out, <laughs> and we still have like a pretty long final set piece battle. Yeah. Um, now though, I mean, you're talking about three set pieces in a half hour, uh, for, for huge battles. I mean, uh, the the Marvel stuff I've been working on. Do you think the kids just have higher expectations of that because of like movies or just a shorter attention span or, or the, the, why? The attention span gets shorter and shorter and they demand more. They, they de- and yeah, the movies, if, they, if they've been, if they've been dragged to them, I mean, was, some of them are rated like PG and R's and stuff. Yeah. Deadpool. Hopefully they haven't seen Deadpool, but <laughs> hopefully the kids haven't seen Deadpool. Little kids aren't being taken to Deadpool, but... Yeah, they, they expect more. They expect a lot more violence and action, and they're they're being given it. Um, every in in again in, in working on the Marvel stuff, the Avengers shows, I really it really feels like each act now has like a climactic set piece, and mm-hmm. they're they're that much they're they're so much bigger and um, more action oriented. Do you think that's harder to write? Like, how do you raise the stakes if you have a huge set piece in the first act? That's what they pay us for. I mean, you, yeah. you have to figure out um, more emotional stakes, perhaps, or mm-hmm. more of a cliffhanger. You're going to kill off one of your characters or, or run run the risk of killing them off. I don't know. I mean, it's tough. It, it just gets tougher and tougher every year. Well, it almost felt like, you know, this was earlier so but when you worked on like justice league like the stakes were much larger how did you grow those from like you know a single superhero show i guess batman became a like batman and family sort of show yeah it still was like justice league was you're juggling a lot of characters at once even if you're not seeing them all on screen well in general we there'd be episodes where there'd, there'd be like two of them wouldn't be there right or we'd feature two of them or three, there w- there was one um, Dwayne and I, Dwayne McDuffie and I worked on called Fury. Yeah, that was w- a Wonder Woman episode. Wonder Woman and Hawk Girl, where where the men kept getting knocked out of the story one by one, and it just it it, 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 it there were fewer and fewer of the heroes on screen uh, as we went, and in Justice the um, the half hour when we went to the half hour. Oh, unlimited. Yeah, and unlimited the, um, the it would it would be of the there'd be Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. At least one of them would need to be in every episode, along with these somewhat more obscure heroes. Right, hero of the week. <laughs> yeah, which which seemed to work pretty well. Yeah, but God Almighty, it is really tough if you have all seven of them and you're trying to uh, service all seven of them. I guess that happened for the three parters, like that initial one, Secret Origins, and then the Star-Crossed season two finale. And oh, there was the Savage Times. Savage Times. Yeah, yeah, all of them were involved, I think, in those. But yeah. you have an hour. Well, actually, 
I think we're talking about hour and a half or not. There, there's three parters, so that would be right. I, I guess I'm six, thinking like 22 minutes. Yeah, 66 per... minutes for, for each of them. I think. Um, I, I don't remember if Secret Origins was 44 minutes or 66 minutes. Do you? I think it was 66. Yeah, it was okay. a three-parter. Okay. Yeah, you do have more time then. A lot more time. Which is great. Uh, I mean, I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, but do people still watch it? You know, I mean, you run the risk of a kid who just doesn't have the hour to, to sit and watch. I mean, so many distractions. I mean, do, do you remember when we were writing those... It would be a very unusual and fortunate kid who could take out an iPhone you know, and play with it while the show was on. You, uh, what I mean is, you couldn't do that. Yeah, I mean Nobody there were could, no other, you know, no screen-based things. There were no distractions. Were... Uh, now, of course, we're, we're competing against everything, and uh, I guess that's what's required of us as writers is to make sure that uh, we don't. That, that our audience doesn't look away. That seems so difficult. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, to also tell like an emotionally gripping story. Yeah. That's satisfying, but also like be like, hey, keep watching. <laughs> well, a, a lot of one way of dealing with that is by having a lot of cliffhangers. Are we going to kill this character? And then you have something like Game of Thrones where they do kill them. Mm-hmm. On, on shows like what I do, you, you obviously can't kill them. But on Game of Thrones, it's like, all right, oh, we've introduced a new character. How is this new character going to die? You know? Yeah. So that's one way of keeping people watching is to bump off your heroes. <laughs> um, what was it like writing on that Cadmus arc? Did I you? I don't think I did a lot on it. I think I, I quit around the time they started it. Gotcha. So you were there, you were there for like the two-parters primarily. The first two seasons. No, I was there for all the two-parters. Uh-huh. On, Ju- on Justice League, you mean? Right. And then I think for at least the first year of... Uh, Unlimited? Unlimited. Yeah, I guess the Cadmus stuff didn't start until the second season? Second season, somewhere around there. Why did you end up quitting? Because uh, I got a better offer. Well, there you go. Well, it, this is probably complicated and so- something your listeners probably don't care about, but... All I do is write animation, but I'm in three different unions. I mean, like, why? Why am I not in one? I don't know. Right, because there's Animation Guild, Writers Guild. And Writers Guild of Canada. So I'm in all three. And I got an offer from a show that, that was going to be Writers Guild of America, which is my original union. And they have better benefits, and a lot of the work was going to be done in Europe, and I wanted to go to Europe. And I like the people there. One of the producers uh, was the producers was the producer of the first Star Wars movie, so it had been it was going to be fun to work with him. And that's why I left. Cool. It was it was a good deal. And plus, even though I left, I was still able to work with some of the people from uh, Warner Brothers. Dwayne McDuffie uh, wrote for that new show. Alan Burnett wrote for it. Bob Goodman, and I know I'm forgetting somebody, but. So I apologize for that, but I was able to work with my friends anyway, uh, and and also be covered by the by the Writers Guild. So that's why I left. That's reason enough. <laughs> well, there there are a lot of reasons. I mean, it's it, again a, a Writers Guild job tends to be preferable to uh, the Animation Guild job. 
not not just because of money, but just credit arbitration, better pension plan, all that stuff. Well, any other thoughts about chemistry? I'm trying to think. I mean, I was trying to to offer the little kids uh, sound advice on <laughs> when they start dating. Don't don't expect perfection, boys and girls. You you may have to make some adjustments. Any other actually any advice for writers who might be interested in getting into animation or people who want to write Batman or superheroes? God, I I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a very very tough way to make a living. I mean, um I I was having this conversation with a Canadian writer this morning via Skype and she, a woman it was a woman who had done some uh, preschool stuff and now wanted to do action stuff and I, I, I just thought why I mean it, it's it's a very tough world to get into and not terribly remunerative the, the reason it's not all that remunerative for, for so many of us is that the audience has been sliced thinner and thinner and thinner I mean when I started writing um animation 22 years ago in 1994 our first episode aired in november of 94 on on fox kids that was it if you watched if you watched superhero stuff that was it there was no other time or place to see that and and i guess the x-men mm-hmm. and no and really not much competition except possibly for the uh the batman the animated series so very little competition, and you know it was a, it was a nice world, and you had some options. And now the the pie has been sliced so thinly that um, you could be doing a very good series, and no one could ever even hear of it. Yeah, there are many more outlets to, to find content. <laughs> probably too many. I wish I could be more encouraging. Were, were the other writers any more encouraging than this? You know, sometimes there's, I think whenever you hear, you know, ask for advice from anybody who's in a creative field, uh, I feel like the the answer tends to start with, it's really tough, make sure you want to do it. Because uh, you have to love doing it, it's not an easy path. Yeah, uh, it might be good to make sure you have a secondary skill. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what that would be though, but it would be good to, to have a secondary skill. Well, it seems like nowadays uh, a lot of it is making your own stuff. Uh, for better or worse, um, there are tools available for people to do that kind sure. of stuff. And so at least knowing how to do other parts of the production process are way more beneficial for you getting jobs or even selling your own show, mm-hmm. uh, in my experience. but I hope you're right. <laughs> thank you so much for coming you're, on the podcast. You're, you're certainly welcome. Thank you, and I, I wish you luck with this and with your career as well. Today's fans... Dan Lippert and Harry Chaskin. Dan has been one of my best buddies since college, and we currently perform together every Friday night at UCB Franklin as a part of the improv show Winslow Fuck, Mary Kill. He's part of the great, great sketch comedy group Big Grande and can also be heard doing voice work on Camp WWE and seen on Fox's Son of Zorn. Harry is the podcast's first returning Batman fan. That's right, we talked Two-Face in episode two back when we kicked off the podcast, and now he's back. He's a director on shows like Robot Chicken, Frankenhole, and Netflix's Buddy Thunderstruck. You might also recognize his voice because he usually kicks off almost every one of these podcast episodes, like the one you're hearing today. 
So without further ado, let's get to chatting. Uh, this was kind of an appropriate episode to watch, uh, being that Dan went to a wedding yesterday. I did, yeah. And Harry just got engaged. I did. And both are of equal importance. Yes. <laughs> I went to a wedding of someone I didn't know. Uh, and I got engaged to somebody that I did. <laughs> At least that worked out. Yeah. How did the wedding uh, with somebody you didn't know work out? Um, good. There were no plant people there. Really? Yeah, no. Huge bummer. A big bummer. You know what I will say? Um, the DJ was playing songs from start to finish, which I don't think you need that on a dance floor. I don't think you want to do all like three and a half minutes of, uh, um, what's that song? Don't believe in just what? <laughs> like, Uptown funk? Yeah. I think you want like the half of that and then you want, or like. I just want the do, 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 yeah. do, do, do. Okay, move on. Yeah. Uh, you just want to be like it, up there singing that part in front of everybody. Um, what I'm trying to say is I sang Uptown Funk uh, <laughs> in front of a group of strangers last night. In the middle of the ceremony. But it was beautiful. It was a nice wedding. Thanks for the recap. Yeah, uh, Our listeners are happy to hear about it, I'm sure. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> details about a wedding. Uh, so Dan's never been on the show before. Harry, you guys... Probably recognizes his voice because he's the guy that says today's episode and was on the show before. Episode two, a year ago-ish. We talked about Two-Face. Now you're back. Uh, I wanted to bring you guys on because you're my best buddies and also we work in animation together. And I thought it'd be fun to talk about it, all three of us. Yeah. Definitely. I'm glad you... Hey, I'm glad you did. Hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> when was the last time that you saw Batman, uh, the cartoon, Dan? Um, the last time I watched it was with you. That seems pretty... <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. It was on April 20th. Ah, just a normal day. Uh, a normal day. <laughs> we watched it with uh, Zane Freed. You remember that? Oh, wow. So this was in college. Yeah, this was in college. It was the Har Harvey. No. Two-Face. Uh, that was yep. the, the episode that Harry talked about last on the podcast. And our favorite quote that we will always remember. Uh, and, that, and it was also we also watched the Clayface one, I think. All, all the face episodes. Yeah. Two-Face, Clayface. Face-Off. Uh-huh. Yep. Face-Off was a very long live-action episode of Batman. And Batman series. never shows up. Pretty daring. I'd say yeah. a bold choice. I think they should have done it more often. <laughs> yeah, that was what you were always looking for less Batman in this show, Batman. That was my note that I sent in when I was 13. Uh, this was a good a, episode for that, actually. There's not a lot of Batman. Not of Bruce Wayne. A lot of Bruce Wayne. But uh, I don't think we had ever, like, those were like of Batman the animated series. There was a redesign. I was trying to figure out if you had ever seen these episodes where, like, they kind of redesigned the characters. And I don't think I'm savvy enough to tell the difference. Because uh, I watched it when I was growing up. They would play, like, when you get home from school, they'd play Batman and then Superman. And then they'd play another Batman. At oh, least then you I was probably growing. did watch these. Yeah. So, but I'm not sure which ones. I couldn't tell, like, a significant difference in the designs. Well, you're a big Superman fan. Uh, yeah. Some, like, I didn't like the cartoon as much, though. You were a Christopher Reeve Superman guy. That's right. Yeah. What didn't you like about the cartoon? Um, I think it was just, like, too light or, like, uh, just after Batman, 
like to watch something that's like dark and like gritty and like feels real. Superman felt very like easy to me. <laughs> this is too palatable. Yeah. Uh, I want this dark, gritty, like, plant person marriage story. Yeah, I want it to be, like, unrelatable to most people. <laughs> <laughs> we did, t- I talked with the, the writer of this episode, and he was joking about uh, how he was like, the, the message of the story isn't really for kids. Like, it's like, the, the fact that they got away with, like, relationships are hard, and, like, you know, you shouldn't be looking for the perfect woman or man. It's, like, such a funny thing to, you know, In inject show. into a kid's show. I'm yeah, sure there's yeah. a lot of, you know, plant people, so that kind of keeps them happy. <laughs> you can imagine all the writers just plugging in, like, their own inability to find somebody and why it is. I'm a cheapskate. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Texas oil tycoon. Which yeah. A committee of Texas oil tycoons that wrote this season of Batman. Yeah, they fired everybody, uh, and they just brought in that committee. Yeah. And I think they did a great job. Dan... I almost went into Jimmy, Jimmy Glick. Glick. Did you tell me? I can't do it. <laughs> that was so much closer to Buffalo Bill than Jimmy Glick. And I would say Jimmy Glick is the Buffalo Bill of Martin Short's character wheel. I would say that too. Uh, I'm trying to think of one other character that he does. That, the guy with his hair sticking up. Uh, yeah, that man. Ed, uh, Ed Grimley. There we go. Welcome back to Martin Short, the Modcast. <laughs> it's a show where I replace the word podcast with Modcast. Kevin Smith beat you to that. Uh, oh, yeah, Smodcast. Yeah. Well, when, so when was the first time you saw Batman the Animated Series? I've talked with Harry extensively about this, but like, what's your background with like nerdy shit? Um, with nerdy shit? I, I started watching it around middle school. I can't like uh, spell out the first moment I saw it, but I remember I remember watching it and be, and like it feeling smart when I realized that like no, they're not allowed to kill people in it. Like, people don't really die, but it is still gritty. And I, for some reason, I was like, oh, that's uh, that's interesting to me. I remember that, like, sticking with me, right? Does anyone die ever? Uh, in these shows? No. They, like, go out of their way to showcase that people are still alive. Yeah, there's, always, the there's always the requisite shot of someone, like falls off a boat in an explosion they have to show them bobbing up in the water it's like hey he's okay like poison ivy in this one yeah Mm -hmm. but not but if they're a plant person you can do anything you want the show had full license for plants and robots to do as much on-screen mayhem as conceivably possible which i I kind of love yeah Yeah. Uh, how often in the show do they show bruce wayne in love very rarely. They spent an entire movie on it, and then this one episode. I mean, I guess, like, you know, he kind of has a thing with Catwoman, but it's more of like a... Like, he's usually, like, flirtatious with, like, Catwoman and Talia, Rachel Ghoul's daughter. But this is, this is like, a pretty atypical episode. Do you think that's because it was a show for kids or because the writers weren't interested in it? Uh, I think probably because it was a show for kids. And also that that's kind of Batman. He's bad at relationships. Yeah. But it seems like that would be like an interesting thing to follow for like... Like just seeing a little bit of him being distracted in this episode is like interesting to me. Uh, And like feels relatable of like, oh, like he has to balance all these things and focus on it. You Like I would want to see like a whole multi-episode arc about that. You should check out Phantasm. Yeah, Yeah. Batman Mask of the Phantasm is about him... Falling in love and giving up being Batman, but she's not a plant person. Okay. Uh, it's good. 
Yeah, this feels like a lot crammed into one episode. Yeah, it's like pretty fast paced. Yeah, I can't believe they got through like by because rewatching it, I was like, man, halfway through the episode, we know that they're clones. Yeah, <laughs> and they do a good job of like kind of setting everything up, mm-hmm. but it's like so accelerated. I kind of wanted to live in that world of Batman giving up being Batman. One of my favorite moments in it is when he's telling. It's like, you know, Bat Family Assemble. They're kind of like Von Trapping, like around the Bat computer and just (laughs) standing there. And he's like telling them he's quitting. And they're like, it's called Happiness, Bruce. He's like, whatever it is, I don't like it. That that part is great. It's the most grim voice read and intense humorless expression on his face. Such a funny (laughs) moment. Uh, Yeah, they do condense a lot, though. What struck me watching this one, not to jump the gun into the episode. How effectively they time jump from the scene where he basically meets her at the wedding to the proposal. Like, there's no, there's no courtship there, which works because he's kind of brainwashed. But uh, yeah, he's kind of brainwashed because they go through the explanation of, well, it started with the pheromones, but then the rest was you wanting an ideal human yeah. being that doesn't exist. Uh, I kind of wanted, as an adult, <laughs> wanted more courtship. I was like, wow, that was fast. He just spies on her, and then they're on a cruise, and he's proposing, or he's on his yacht. Uh, but as a kid, I'm sure I wouldn't have cared as much. Yeah, I wonder. What, I can't put myself in a kid's brain as much as I try. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, I wonder if that would be boring to watch people like fall in love. I guess, uh, you know, it wouldn't be... I think, because th- what this show did really well was dig into kind of mm-hmm. like, I guess like, you know, what you call like mundane character stuff, like for, like, you know, you wouldn't expect a kid to be interested in watching a guy with anger management issues, but the Two-Face episode is really good. Uh, and it's like basically an episode of a guy running for office and like trying to get control of his anger and going to therapy. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's like, it's really intense. I don't know if you remember That's the one on we watched? Yeah, uh, I don't remember that. Um... <laughs> What a nerd. Even on 420, I'm like, let's watch Batman. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those things where like, when they, we got to this part of the series, uh, they were pushing action more. I think, at least my takeaway is, because Superman was a thing, they were probably pushing things to be a little bit more kid-oriented uh, or like having like more action scenes per episode. Yeah. I also think, going back to what you were saying, Dan, uh, seeing seeing more of the story unfold and whether that would be boring and kind of it being about Batman's decision point of whether or not to be Batman. At least for me, it strikes me that at this point in the series, they'd kind of done that a few times. You had it in Phantasm. You have the one uh, where... What's the one? What's the one where he has the he quotes Nietzsche? Uh, oh, I am the knight. I am the knight. You know that whole episode for different reasons is about him waffling whether or not he's going to be Batman or hang up the cowl. I feel like this one, kind of unabashedly, but in a good way, just cuts to the cuts to the chase and gets to the plant monsters. Which yeah, I guess we've had like fun. Heart of Steel, which was a two part robot clone episode so even like the clone stuff has been done enough that it's like let's just get to the pulpy fun yeah um they did kind of some of the music i noticed this is very very detailed nerdy but like calls back to the phantasm music cues like which is crazy because phantasm the movie came out in like 93 and this was like five years later and 
they're like, yeah, this is the Bruce quitting being Batman because he's in love theme. That's interesting. Good job, Christopher Carter. Yeah, I noticed too that, I don't know, for whatever it's worth, both both times we've seen Bruce in love, uh, there's a scene on a boat. Like, his, his the ocean as a motif for Bruce in love, kind of. I don't know if you can call it a motif, it only happens twice, but it was interesting to me watching this today that it kind of takes it back to that location. And then it ends in a fiery wreckage because that's what marriage is. <laughs> that's what marriage hope is. Nobody's getting married soon. Yeah. <laughs> hope nobody's going to a stranger's wedding soon. Uh, not anytime soon, unless uh, you look at time as a loop, and then which case maybe if we go backwards, <laughs> then yes, I am going soon. Hi, I look at time as a loop. Okay. I am going to a wedding yesterday, so Great. very soon. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's let's dig into it from the beginning of the episode. So it starts with like Bruce at a wedding. Uh, you know, we actually meet Susan, who her voice Linda Hamilton. Yeah, I saw that in the credits and what thought I misread it. Nope, you correctly. <laughs> Good job, Linda Hamilton. I was trying to come up with whatever the opposite of misread was, and it was like, no, you read it. Uh, yeah, she was great. Yeah. Good job, Linda. Yeah, good voice. Big fans of Linda here. <laughs> Big Linda heads. Yeah. Ever since Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, which this has a Terminator 2 moment in it when, uh, um, what's his name, walks through the lasers. It oh. feels like uh, when the T-1000 walks through those prison bars. You're right. There's a lot. It's like that. It's like, that was a creepy moment. I mean, we're mm-hmm. jumping it. Yeah. It's creepy as hell. It's creepy. Yeah. Uh, the yeah the I mean the spousal abuse scene was t- was Jesus really yeah that dangling phone yeah like, that sort like of Hitchcockian shot of the phone dangling in the foreground the show did that so well like, um I don't know it reminds me of in uh, Robin's reckoning the trapeze shot a oh bit. yeah really sad it's what yeah. you don't see. Yeah, anytime something anytime they're implying something bad happening a good dangling foreground element really. Uh, does the trick. Can we get something dangling in the foreground? It's supposed to be sad and uh, traumatizing. Yeah. Sure. Well, one of those funny cat clocks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a funny cat clock would really punctuate this moment. <laughs> this moment Robin's of domestic acrobat. abuse. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like that they introduced Bruce Wayne <clears throat> just standing with a garter belt in his hand. Oh, yeah. Like how, how awkward he is with it. Yeah. Like, I and just that. imagining like moments earlier that he fought a bunch of men to get to it and like used his Batman strength. That's mine. <laughs> it was interesting to me about Bruce in that first scene. You know, you've always got the duality of real Bruce who's dark and brooding and closer to Batman and then sort of the Playboy front that he puts on, kind of the happy go lucky, stupid Bruce. I don't know if it was just that they'd gotten to this point in the series, but the fact that at a wedding as the character Bruce Wayne, at least in this scene, he's kind of not making, he's not putting up the act. Like, he's using his Batman voice. He's very dour and kind of not trying to, not trying to fool anybody. I think by the end of the series, they just kind of, there was less of a switch back and forth between Bruce Wayne and Batman voices. Like, Kevin Conroy started things out like making very like distinct vocal choices, uh, and like Bruce kind of talked like this, and then Batman was the gravelly version, and they just sort of conflate. And I don't know if that's a choice 
Or, I mean, you could look psychologically at, like, he's just losing Bruce, mm -hmm. like, over as he gets older. Like, he's just losing more and more Bruce because he really is Batman, and he's, like, not putting up that fakeness. But, uh, or it's just Kevin Conroy was tired of doing two, <laughs> doing voices. two voices. Yeah, they didn't want to pay. He said it would be two characters, and they didn't want to pay him for both of them. So, right, even yeah. though it's three characters maximum. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works. Uh, a little uh, animation uh, inside uh, scoop is you can get paid the same rate and do up to three characters. Brought to you by the Screen Actors Guild of Hollywood. <gasps> Whoa, cool. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Bruce, Bruce making garter talk. Uh, I like that he has no sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, uh it's a joke. <laughs> the, there's like a, the, like, like three moments in this one where it like punches to him being like totally humorless. There's uh, something very funny about somebody who doesn't get jokes. He looks, it's humiliating, I think. Yeah. And it's like a, it's the clear sign of like, oh, you can't connect with other humans. Like, uh, if someone doesn't get a joke, they really stand out to you as, like, a weirdo. Yeah, unless they're somebody from another country and with a different background. And, like, they have, they'd have no context. Bruce Wayne should be getting jokes. He's a sociopath. Yeah. Uh, sociobat. Oh. Is that the name of any of the episodes? Sociobat? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an axed episode. Uh, it was about a socioeconomic plan proposed by Batman. Oh, why did it get axed? That sounds fascinating. Mm, I don't know. People said it was too boring and didn't make enough sense beyond <laughs> the one sentence description. That's. Uh, I'd like to talk to those people. Uh, oh yeah, we see Barbara and Tim next uh, at the at the snack table. Yep, Tim Drake with his face covered in cake. It uh, is weird. He's twelve years old and eats like a baby. <laughs> See, like, I get that he's like a kid at a wedding, but what kid is eating a full piece of cake with his hands? Like into his mouth like a duck. <laughs> I was hoping for the rest of the episode he would keep saying like one smart thing and then it would cut back to him with cake all over his mouth. Where did you get that cake? I stole it from the wedding. <laughs> That's old cake, Tim. I, my tummy hurts. <laughs> well, maybe it's a good thing that his parents were killed by Two-Face. <laughs> You would have been disappointing them right now. <laughs> we are disappointed in you, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I love that uh, he implicitly has the motor skills to do these crazy acrobatic feats and take down full-grown criminals, but can't get a piece of cake into his <laughs> mouth. Well, he's taking a couple of elbow jabs to the head during his nights out. Yeah, he's got CTE for sure. <laughs> Tim Drake's got CTE. You heard it here you first. You heard it here first. Open that brain up when he dies. <laughs> uh... So we, we, we move pretty quickly into the actual proposal. I think actually we see the Batman Robin like fighting some jewelry thieves or like some guys holding up like a poor poor old man yeah. in his night nighttime jewelry with, shop. With a with a nondescript accent of some kind that yeah, tickled, tickled me for some reason. Old or foreign. It was an accent. <laughs> Welcome back to America's favorite game show, <laughs> Old or Foreign. <laughs> Hello. Uh, you know what, Pat? I'm gonna say Foreign with a hint of old? You got it. He is a 62-year-old Russian. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Your prize, an all-expense-paid trip to a retirement home in Estonia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, guys, we just wrote the perfect sketch. Type it up, sketchheads. <laughs> a lot of sketchheads listen to this podcast. If you're a sketchhead and you love the podcast, type up the sketches you hear, then send them to Justin. Yeah, send them just to Justin. <laughs> yeah, at Hashtag Justin. sketchhead. 
uh, Batman shows that he's distracted by not knowing how many people he's fighting. We kind of, we see a cool little knife flip in the foreground. Nice in little rack focus there. Yeah. You guys ever been so in love that you made a big mistake like that? Forgot to fight the fourth burglar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think it's a universal problem. Yeah, it's one of those really, really relatable situations that... Uh... It works, though. It's effective. Yeah, it is like Batman's version of that. Like, you're used to him just, like, throwing a fist up and, like, there's a guy creeping up behind him and it's like, how did he know? He did it! And this time it's like the child who shoved cake in his face <laughs> like an animal is like, hey, man, you're the crazy one. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled. Cake. <laughs> uh, from there, there's an announcement in the Batcave. Chatted about that. We got Nightwing there just for that moment. Uh, what's Nightwing's story? So, there were two Robins in this series. The original Robin, Dick Grayson, trapeze, classic Robin. He got... Foreground, uh, Kit Kat Clock. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he and Batman got in a big fight. They broke off. I think it ended in uh, Nightwing punching Batman in the face. Uh, not kind of like knocking him to the ground. But basically, uh, he didn't want to be like him, didn't like being treated like shit, became his own superhero named Nightwing, moved to another city, pops by every now and then, Batman takes in another younger child to be the new Robin. Oh, so that kid was not Dick Grayson. Right, this is Tim Drake. Tim Drake, yeah. Did Dick's character design at this point have the mullet? I noticed he had a high collar in this scene. I I think I saw a little bit of like long ponytail uh, design. That's really important to me for some reason, just yeah. uh, whether or not he had the mullet. Don't worry. Mullet Watch 2016 says, yes, he did. <laughs> Keep an eye out, sketchheads. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that mullet. So we jump to, from mullet to wedding, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where he's watching her. Oh, he's watching her. Uh, like, they propose, yeah. I guess there was, we skipped that. Like he's, <laughs> She's pouring, she's watering her garden. It's like a very rear window-y kind yeah. of shot. Yeah. It's interesting that his decision point in the episode that she's the one is conveyed by Bruce in full Batman garb, creepily spying on her with binoculars. uh... It's classic Bruce behavior. Yeah. I mean, who among us hasn't fallen in love with someone and then immediately spied on them in the middle of the night? I guess that's what Facebook is, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) I wish they would just... Update it and smash cut to him with binoculars looking at Facebook. <laughs> He's sitting really close to his computer. Yeah. Master Bruce, your eyes uh, can't be good for your eyes. Alfred, I'm in love! <laughs> oh, that was, that was a howl, Master Bruce. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, spying. He proposes. We got a wedding uh, at, the Wayne, at Wayne Manor. He's not really... I guess maybe that's like a homey place for him, but to me... That feels like a horrible place for a wedding. It gonna, seems ornate and sad. Yeah. I'm going to propose a... <clears throat> oh, Harry. Yes. <laughs> yes, a thousand times yes. <laughs> oh, this is awkward, but it's committed to microphone, I guess. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how all my weddings have worked. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to propose a wildly alternate fan theory for this episode that just occurred to me hinged on the scene of Batman with the binoculars. <laughs> Something that struck me, and I'm jumping way ahead to the end of the episode here. Spoilers. It was interesting to me that Bruce slash Batman 
really, even when all the shit hits the fan and all the plant people reveal themselves, he's pretty cold and emotionless about the fact that his wife is a plant lady. Like, there isn't really a an epiphany moment where you see him being emotionally affected by it. If anything, the closest thing to that is when he coldly... <coughs> sort of James Bond style, tosses the ring into the ocean at the end of the episode. I wonder if, based on that binocular scene, maybe this is like a classic Batman undercover situation where he's suspected it the whole time and is sort of going through the motions to get undercover um, on the boat. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't said, so. I said wildly alternate fan it theory is. that probably is unsupported as we analyze the rest of the scenes, but... Uh, uh. I think uh, I think I'd like to believe it, but he just he seems like he falls too hard. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I think. Maybe that was just one of the pitfalls of it being crammed into one episode. Is <laughs> he is legitimately supposed to fall in love, but there's not enough time to actually convey that, so it doesn't feel real. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a question: It's where we play the game, Jewish viewer or not. When he flipped that ring into the ocean, did you for a moment be like, oh, you could have hawked that for I some did. Like, that, what was that <laughs> worth? I mean, he's, I a billion, a he's a billionaire. <laughs> that ring is like... Uh, to him, sure. But. There's three Jewish viewers. Uh, we are all three, three Jews. We're three Jewers. He could have at least given it to Alfred to give to What's-Her-Face. Yeah. Uh, or to, uh, how rich is Nightwing? You could have given it to Nightwing. Yeah, well, hey, Nightwing flips his wedding <laughs> ring in Nightwing's face. You like me now? It's stuck in my mullet. Buy yourself a steak dinner, Nightwing. <laughs> this is what I don't like about you, Bruce. Punches him in the face again. Oh, I deserve that. Yeah, that whole falling out was really about Bruce callously flaunting his wealth. <laughs> Ooh, he's just fanning himself with buckets of money. Your parents were circus folk. <laughs> mine were wealthy. Your dead parents are worse than mine. <laughs> and no wonder he hates him. Uh, all right, so yeah, wild fan theory. Yeah, clearly, I, I, clearly I like not the supported. idea, but I, I think he was supposed to fall for her. I do think that like that lack of emotional response. There's something to that. Yeah, I don't know if it was purposeful, but I do think that there's something to Bruce being like relieved and happy <laughs> that, like, that he can like get what, back to back to his comfort yeah. zone of yeah. being emotionally closed oh thank off. god this is the best thing i could hear she's an evil plant creature everything is right in my <laughs> fucked up way of living my life i can i knew that love wasn't a thing like, there's like a moment of his face being emotionless and then he tases her <clears throat> oh yeah he he jumps pretty quickly he's like yes <laughs> and then he shuts the door on her little her little tentacle her little, her little plant tentacle. tentacle Bruce my little plant tentacle wants to say something uh, yeah we get to oh so we get we, Veronica Vreeland making mm -hmm. a call in the middle of Bruce's wedding Alfred I guess has to work the wedding yeah I guess uh, he doesn't get to enjoy anything yeah I was trying to distinguish whether the tuxedo he was wearing was standard Alfred tuxedo or maybe like Alfred wedding tuxedo Alfred but, you'll uh, wear the same tuxedo I don't let you wash every day for this wedding at least they didn't have him holding a tray of hors d'oeuvres because yeah. there have definitely been emotionally impactful Bruce events in past episodes where Alfred is definitely on call and uh, serving all of their friends. I wonder, this but. is almost like an emotionally abusive relationship. Him and Alfred? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think Alfred, I mean, I think he'd prefer it. 
I think he, yeah, Alfred clearly doesn't have a family of his own, and this is like a nice surrogate. Yeah. He's like, I'm down to do whatever. Interesting that uh, Lucius is sort of the the plenary speaker at the wedding. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice to see. I don't think he yeah. pops up that much. No, it was, in the it, later was nice, it was nice to see him show up for that line and kind of. He gives a nice speech. Give a speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wasted it on a plant woman. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, do you mind if I use the same speech at your next wedding? <laughs> no, no, I'm convinced she's a robot and I'm going to taste her. Uh, I did like the who's who of cameos. I was going to say. Real nerdy, but when they first pan across like the guests, it's like Etrigan, uh, Jason Blood, a.k.a. Etrigan the Demon, Dr. Leslie Tompkins, the old woman who lives in Crime Alley. Uh, like Just like a bunch of like little, I think... The Man Bat's wife was there. Like, this is a joke character that I talk about on the show. Like, Francine Langstrom, who is in an episode of the old animated series, who she, I think, turns into a She's not just the Man Bat's wife. She's the woman bat. Yeah, she's actually, she's the woman bat. Uh, There's, like, yeah, I think Terror in the Sky is about her becoming a a man bat. On on a plane. Yeah, pretty fun. But I love that they're all there, and it's like, oh, man, like, everybody came out. For this wedding that will mean absolutely nothing. I mean, there's hope there. Bruce is stuck with a plant woman, but if the two bat humans can can make their marriage work... Yeah, the two mad scientists who turn themselves into horrible bat creatures (laughs) are having a successful relationship. That's just just what a relationship is, is realizing you're both the same kind of monster. Sure. (laughs) Or different kinds of monsters that can get along. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm I'm gonna throw out my one design question for the episode. I don't know. Anybody who worked on it is listening. Um, Veronica's husband, what's his name? Michael? Uh huh. Yeah, I don't know. Watching this today, his character design to me looked a lot like it was based on Martin Lando, circa North by Northwest. I mean, I know that I, having spoken to Stan Berkowitz, the know, writer, I, they based a lot of it on. Hitchcock, okay. so I wouldn't be surprised. They they because there there's a there's a famous gay villain character. I mean, uh, he was immediately creepy when we saw him, regardless absolutely. of sexuality intended or not. Uh, he was a he was a, he was immediately like, oh yeah, this guy sucks. Yeah, look at him. Yeah. Look at the way he moves. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, what was it? Did this is the first time we met that character? Oh yeah, I mean, he was just a plant person for yeah. the episode. That's a crazy thing about this show is like they don't feel the need to like give you too much exposition yeah they were like i just met him it was a real fast courtship yeah and so i was wondering like oh is that like did we see that in other episodes or is this just like happening right now just happening right now veronica vreeland's had horrible failed relationships too yeah and it's nice that they kind of make a joke about that to justify the lack of exposition or introduction to this character it's like oh hey fourth wedding here we go Uh, yeah fourth one's a charm yeah uh, yeah. Which, like, if someone said that to me on the day of my wedding with them, I'd be like, oh, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> hey, maybe we need to talk, honey. Yeah. Let's go under the gazebo. Yes, the rich person gazebo over there. Uh, so we find out pretty quickly that it's poison ivy, especially when it's like, cut to exterior of a greenhouse. Yeah. You're like, well, you may as well have just put neon letters that say poison ivy's the villain. She's sitting in a flower. You brought up a good point when we were watching that. What was she doing in that flower? Yeah. Cool entrance. It's a very cool entrance, but I'm wondering, is she, is she sleeping in there? Does she have a little home office in there? She, You're right. She might have been in the bathroom. She might have been in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Could be. 
You fool, you're interrupting me while I'm taking a dump. <laughs> the, uh, the flower opens and she steps out with like a newspaper <laughs> and lights a match. The flower's so... like, talk about poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said talk about and I heard Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, the talk flower. about poisonous. <laughs> That's a weird little referential joke that doesn't exist anywhere else in the show. Uh, we had to insert a reference to Taco Bell and we didn't have any normal way of saying <laughs> we tried everything possible the most logical one was a rose opening a up and saying Taco yeah. Bell poison <laughs> after poison ivy farted in a rose <laughs> I love that I'm gonna write that uh, into my version of imagining this story is that poison ivy was just farting in a flower beforehand uh, there, there is that like green fart that she uh, blows onto people so. <laughs> I don't know if she calls it a green fart <laughs> Poison Ivy's poisonous green fart time uh, for a green fart Batman <laughs> <laughs> oh that is what this is uh, she, she comes out of the flower and uh, oh yeah that guy you know he's like uh, jigs up why well my chest is turning plant <laughs> Yeah, I love I love the implication that that was discovered on like their wedding night you know oh yeah yeah, his plant his chest hair was. She just sees him shirtless through. for the first time, and he's got leaves. And... Also, seeing somebody shirtless for the first time on their wedding night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was like yeah, well, yeah he was just starting to transform. Yeah. But what? You're reveal. fatter than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> But this actually works because I like abusive relationships. I'm Veronica and I have a fucked up sense of self. You got a problem with these leaves? Let's talk about that birthmark, Missy. <laughs> uh, glad we're writing the called, worst That's version. what she called Bruce Wayne. She was like, he's so awful. <laughs> <laughs> so is every, it's my wedding, by the way. Uh, they, oh, that scene, did we hit that scene... Uh, in the hospital, that seems really. Funny. Oh, that's a great. Oh yeah, scene. after he rescues her from the exploding from the backdraft. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that scene. Really good delivery by uh, Kevin Conroy there. He's like, "You take care of her, Michael." Yeah. Uh, and then when he so I got like I got the cops watching her. I'm sure you'll be happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, like really laying it on thick too. He loves, if there's one thing we know about Bruce Wayne, it's that he relishes power. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's such an ego tripper. Especially when he can be a dick to somebody that he knows is guilty but can't quite prove it yet. Yeah. I, like, I want them in all comic books now uh, to get smart enough to know that two security guards can't guard someone in a hospital anymore. Not like, in that city. Yeah, yeah. It's like, in Gotham, there should just be superheroes who are like lower level, whose job it is to like be those security, security guards. super security guards. Yeah. <laughs> Although this episode is one of the rare cases where he posts two security guards and there's not a scene of Poison Ivy or somebody coming back to finish the job. Although yeah. he does ask like Batgirl and Robin to, oh, I guess, keep an eye on the dude. Yeah. Okay, okay. He's, he's hedging his bets. He's got the security guards and the, uh, and the super family. <laughs> and the 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. The 12-year-old and uh, the girl who has to hang out with a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they follow him to the greenhouse. Oh, she rips off his skin. That's yeah. gross. I love that uh, uh, Robin like throws up in his mouth when he sees that. <laughs> like That feels yeah. like a very realistic reaction. I'm just like... Yeah, that's that would be fucking awful <laughs> for a twelve-year-old to see that. Horrible. And going back to the conceit that you know this show really had license to get pretty graphic with violence against humanoid characters. There's some great 
kind of body horror animation in this episode with the tearing off of the skin and the uh, melting, bubbling, exploding plant monsters. Oh, Some yeah. Pretty good like stuff eyeballs, there. like yeah, their Yeah, teeth. when he melts and leaves the teeth and the eyeballs. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Well, let's jump to that cruise, right? This is where it ends. All the men and maybe one woman talking about their perfect spouses. Yeah. Who? Oh, they all die in a Terminator 2 sort of way also. Where they like melt down into that like oh goop. yeah the the gooey yeah. the gooey husbands and wives. I'm sure, Linda Hamilton requested that. Hi, I was in the film Terminator Two, <laughs> and I do want some vague references to it in the animation. Okay, uh, this is the janitor's closet. Right, and I am asking a mop. <laughs> I'm gonna point out. Speaking of the meltdown, my uh, my nerdy plot hole question. Noticed in the greenhouse battle, Poison Ivy's whole table of various chemicals gets decimated, and somehow all of those chemicals mixing together turns into plant poison. Oh, is I that guess. what it was saying? I thought maybe she had the plant poison on the table. I think it was very vaguely unexplained. It was like we need something to kill yeah. them later. We'll just—I mean, I, I didn't even assume it was plant poison. I would think like any sort of corrosive mm-hmm. chemical. Is enough yeah, to like. True. Except that it wasn't affecting uh, Batgirl or Robin. Like they fall, oh, they yeah. fall into the puddle of it, and then they use that. They kind of discover organically when the plant chases them into that puddle that it's plant poison. Oh, so I, I think I, it was just generic yeah. pink death liquid. Yeah, <laughs> it's not necessarily a plot hole. I just it, it makes me wonder what poison ivy was was experimenting with on that table. You know, and then we'll leave that for the fanfic. Yeah. LSD, man. <laughs> <laughs> Farting in flowers and getting acid trippy. Uh, oh, what so, am I... Oh, go ahead, man. No, you go ahead. I'm just wondering what the hell this cruise is. So it's a honeymoon cruise where just... Ri- for a bunch of rich a bunch couples. A bunch of rich couples are like, yeah, this is how I want to spend my honeymoon. With a bunch of other people. Yeah. They're all swingers. I guess, like, you conceivably, and this is another, like, well, there's not enough time for anything to really be fully explained. Conceivably, all the, like, fake plant spouses could be like, We want to go on yeah, this let's cruise. Yeah, go on this cruise. Yeah. Uh, but we never see that, so we're yeah. left to come up with that reasoning or even not think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is very in keeping, like, if it is the plant people... Suggesting the cruise, that's in keeping with Poison Ivy's uh, mode of operating. It's like her her Club Med in that other episode where she's turning all the people into plants. Oh, uh, the yeah. Alfred and his... I'm just saying she, does, she, she consistently does a good job of getting rich people into a consolidated area together built around some kind of event. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, but she couldn't come up with the villainous name around that, so she just stuck with poison ivy. Uh, <laughs> well, the the, the co- event planner, <laughs> the coordinator, doesn't sound. Uh, <clears throat> uh, they cut the they cut the scene of the Second City Touring Company doing a fun little show on the cruise for everybody. Yeah. One guy getting a little bit too drunk and trying to hit on one of the plant people. Yeah. <laughs> And the weird magician, too. Uh, Although there are some fun touches of uh, the innocent cruise staff 
that's not in on the scheme. You pointed out, Dan, when we were watching it, as we're panning across the ship's cockpit, great little bit of animation right before the seaweed overtakes the engine. There's like a guy sipping coffee. Yeah. And just gets <laughs> he's, like, he's like he's like about to, to take side. a sip and then just gets violently. He's got the perfect look on his face of like I'm about to enjoy this first sip of coffee of the day. Oh! <laughs> and maybe it's nighttime, my friend. Yeah. Who knows? It's red outside all the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah I love, love those Gotham City red red skies. Really do. It looks so cool. They found a nice way around those. Like they used to have like very like black backgrounds yeah. uh, or dark dark colors. And when they redesigned, all they started the red, doing the red sky more. I feel like in the later. Did they redesign it for a particular reason? Or was I, it like a new crew on it? Or I mean, some of the crew maybe shifted a little, uh, but I think they were like, if we're going to bring back the show, we kind of need to make it look a little bit more like the Superman style, which was even more simplified. Yeah, that's uh, so, another thing I didn't like about that Superman one, is it looked very, like, it wasn't as cool to look at. Uh, I mean, it's like one of those things where I feel like as a kid, you feel like a cool, like, it's like, oh man, it's so cool to like see a badass whereas you know Superman is the boy scout yeah uh, so it's like just not as fun to root for the guy who follows the rules I think yeah uh, I really that was what got me into Superman but I think I liked it because all the villains they kind of treated like Batman rogues yeah. to make it interesting going going back to the redesign though like I remember watching as a kid when the redesign happened there were some there were some characters that I really liked the redesign of like the Scarecrow and then there were others that I didn't like so much. Like, I preferred the old Joker. But I feel like the simpler, more streamlined look, I don't know if they also just got more consistent with the animation studios they were working with, but I feel like there's a lot less uh, really offensive off-model drawings. I think it was probably easier the, for yeah, I think, you know, them to juggle. <clears throat> easy, simpler characters, easier to, easier to draw and get right. As somebody who works in animation, Harry, <laughs> and that kind yeah. of stuff... Uh, I'll, I'll trust your opinion. Yeah. Me uh, too. So I do love that last, that confrontation when he realizes Susan's a plant. Uh, that like, why, Bruce? I'm your wife. Yeah. Like, Stepford, a, Stepford moment. Very yeah. Stepford moment. And just tentacles shooting out from under her dress. Yeah, it's a great cut to that wide, like, bird's eye view almost with all the tentacles coming out. And she really slams him against that table afterwards too. Yeah. He gets like he gets blown back, and his back hits a car when that house explodes. Like yeah. it's amazing, Bruce is in decent shape. Yeah. Oh, no wonder he needs uh, Will. What's his name later on to uh, be Batman? What's that kid's name? Oh, Will Friedel. Yeah, Will Friedel. Oh, uh, Fry. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've never said it out loud. Uh, yeah, Batman Beyond. Yeah, it's kind of remarkable that with everything he's been through, he's walking around at that age with just a cane. <laughs> yeah. The uh, cane is decorative too. <laughs> uh. But yeah, that uh, like they they do they do like two, both all of their uh, impressions of wedding nights are not great in this. <laughs> like between what's her names, I guess that's not their wedding night um, when she calls Bruce at his wedding. I mean, I would say also all their impressions of wedding nights with the evil plant people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he electrocutes the hell out of her uh, with a with a lamp. <laughs> 
Just jams it in his... Yeah, I was like, oh, that's gonna hurt. But then they went big with the electrocution. She, yeah, re- yeah. she gets like... She got ursula Yeah, she had ursula <laughs> All the action sequences in this episode are really cool. Like, Yeah, I mean, that whole cruise fight afterwards. I think we saw coffee guys screaming. Coffee guys yeah. screaming. That the seaweed! One, <laughs> that one lady that's like from uh, like classic uh, Marx Brothers, like straight woman. Oh, yeah. She, uh, what, she looks like Margaret Dumont. Yeah. Look. A lot, actually. I didn't think about that, but you're right. She turns and fucking takes <laughs> out a plant guy right away. Yeah, it's she's like, what great. are we waiting I th- for? I think she yeah. takes out the other plant, the plant lady. The other lady. There's like the southern, the southern bell spouse. Yeah, it's great. I wish that they had spent like three minutes on just it's that just fight. this old woman, like this older woman wailing <laughs> plant person. I thought someone finally loved me. Please, I'm not a plant person. <laughs> I just wanted my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to you have to think that maybe there's one like legitimate non-plant couple that also heard about that honeymoon cruise. <laughs> yeah, just, what the hell? <laughs> they're just fighting with each other. Well, I guess shuffleboard's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> really, Rick? That's what you're worried about? I was very excited to play shuffleboard with my new hubby. <laughs> my new hubby. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, we get some plant plant gooping. We get some like spread. We have a re- like bat plane rescue uh, from Robin and and Batgirl last minute. Like here, use we're gonna spray people down. Batgirl kind of disappears in that rescue. I wanted to see her spray some people too, but it seemed like Robin. Yeah, was I guess doing so. The Robin thing. got yeah. Batgirl doesn't do a whole lot. Robin smacks Poison Ivy in the face, and the sound effect is so intense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they really they really tuned it up. At, at, how evil do you have to be? That's like a good look at like, oh, she's truly a villain if she's willing to kiss this 12-year-old boy. That creeped me out in hindsight. I thought it's creepy. I thought that moment was really effective and surprised. I was surprised that they were able to kind of push that. And if you're a 12-year-old boy, you're like, oh, maybe I will take the kiss. <laughs> yeah, but if you're uh, Poison Ivy, you're like, this guy fucking shoves cake in his face. Yeah, that's like, quick, I gotta rub more cake on my face to act as a buffer against the poison. <laughs> you just want more cake, Robin. No, I need a buffer to poison. <laughs> yeah, that uh, they got away with some stuff. I mean, then more melty... Melty, horrible, goo people. Yeah, the design of Michael without his skin is pretty cool. Sort of this skeletal plant corpse. Oh, yeah, his horrible nostrils. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that was a fun fight. Also felt really quick. Yeah. Yeah, the the end fight is pretty cool, and the the resolution of this episode feels very quick. It kind of just ends with them uh, taking off on the helicopter and Batman throwing... (laughs) Throwing that three hundred thousand uh, dollar wedding <laughs> ring into the ocean uh, and watching Titanic his lady style wife yeah. sadly sink. Yeah, uh, it, even though she was evil, it does feel like the episode. It's like when you listened to a podcast by accident on like one point five times speed. That's kind of like what this episode felt like. Yeah, it was, it was like, like a little bit too fast. Everything in really quickly. But I couldn't tell if I just hadn't watched the show in a while, and that's like the pace of it. I'd say this one feels paced much faster. Uh, and I think it is because there's so much going on. Like, I think what a lot of the earlier episodes felt like... I mean, some of them, even even the new Batman Adventures, there are episodes that are, like, slower. Uh, but they're usually simpler. And this is such, like, a high concept. Like, and it we needs have to, to last so much. much time. 
Yeah, like I feel like it is really like you have to get so much across just to get to the meat of it. Yeah, but it is interesting, again, talking about Batman being comfortable in his coldness and isolation that kind of the only empathetic moment you get in the episode is watching the plant wife basically drown alive through the porthole and then cutting to his reverse of just looking completely unaffected. Yeah. Well, back to the back to normal unfeeling Batman, the Business one we know and love. Well, he probably knows how much freaking paperwork he's going to have to deal with now. Yeah, am should've, I right, fellas? Yeah, you ever an old wedding before? Should have gotten a prenup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want to come down from hanging off that rope ladder <laughs> talking about prenups? Uh, I just fucked again by a stupid wife that wasn't real. Hey, the way you talk about women is absolutely horrible, Batman. No, you don't get it. My parents died. I'm allowed to. Okay, well... That gives you a pass for one non-human <laughs> failed marriage. Oh, Second look time. at that beautiful woman with a blowhole down there. Uh, nope, that's, uh, that's a whale. That's a whale in a dress, Batman. <laughs> Don't say that about my beautiful new wife! <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we covered chemistry, right? Yeah. We dug in. Aptly named. I wanted to bring you guys on. I wanted to talk about a thing that we're releasing. It's, it's a short that the three of us made together that I think the audience of this podcast would like, but I thought it'd be fun to talk about like how the making of it. Uh, it's called Monster Island. It's kind of like a, if King Kong and Godzilla were best buddies who had to live on like a tropical prison island. Yeah. So it's I, got animation. It's got monsters. Yeah, it's stop motion animation, which Harry has been my gateway of stop motion since we were kids. I, I've known Harry since, you know, I was like in middle school and I've known Dan since college so like we, we go way back yeah and I mean we were doing rudimentary stop motion in middle school with a Super 8 camera and little Batman and Superman animated series action figures oh That's yeah kinda, we did we stayed up till we stayed midnight up, which uh, was really late I feel like right? we stayed up all night on that maybe I'm misremembering I thought it was all night but I feel like <laughs> all night at that time meant like <laughs> not as late but maybe yeah. you went to sleep and Harry stayed up all yeah, night yeah that's kind of that's our working relationship <laughs> yeah anyway I remember we spent a while animating this epic Super 8 battle between Superman and Metallo right they were those old Kenner action figures yeah. on a spawn playset on a spawn playset and in those days you had to actually mail away the Super 8 film and get it developed and I remember three weeks later we got it back and I had set something wrong on the shutter and the entire thing was overexposed and completely just white frame uh, oh man and we never problem. made anything together ever again <laughs> nope and that's why we're here to talk about a made up project yeah come, go, go online and look at our three minute white frame <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's called Superman vs. Metallo One overexposed but like what is, you know like for people yeah. who don't know how stop motion works can you give them the basis of like what goes into making it maybe using Monster Island as a template Whew, yeah, let me. Uh, that's a that's a tall order. That's a weighty think, question. Uh, how to how to say this as clearly and concisely as possible? Basically, stop motion animation is a technique in which you photograph real objects under real light, one frame at a time, manipulating their motions each frame. Um, you know, so similar to two D animation, where you have a bunch of drawings strung together consecutively, flipbook style. Stop motion is the same principle, but with real puppets, and each frame you move them a little bit, and you string it together, and it looks like animation. Yeah, examples of stop motion being like, you know, Wallace and Gromit, and... Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Gumby, Monster Island. Monster Island. It kind of stems from our love of, like, 
giant monsters and like buddy comedies. And our, our giant ape is in a wheelchair. Uh, Dan yeah. voices Java, the King Kong character. Justin voices Zog, <laughs> the giant lizard character. I, I animated. I, I animated a lot of it. Along designed with, the characters. Yeah, designed the characters. Going back to the nerdy animation side of things, uh, I don't know, one of the fun things for me about making this short, I think a lot about animation and medium and story. You know, for me, I grew up on Ray Harryhausen and his monster movies and mixing stop motion and live action. Like one of the fun things we got to do with this one, since it's very much uh, an old monster movie throwback, uh, we got to do the monsters in stop motion and then there are little people characters that appear and we actually shot all of those uh, live action with full-scale actors and shrunk them down and stuck them into the frame. I think it's one of those things that if you didn't know that, you would think that they were just miniatures. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things. Maybe it would have been more efficient to do it with all of them in miniatures. But But it was uh, fun to merge media. Yeah. And, yeah, like, for uh, you know, all of the people listening to this that haven't seen anything Harry's done, I can say this, and I think it's pretty subjective-objective from the outside, uh, unbiased, that it looks like incredible. It's like very like technicolor, like a vibrant world, um, and that's stuff that I rarely am involved in decision making on because I don't <laughs> see it very well. So I can say almost as an outsider that it looks amazing, even if you don't think we're funny, which I think <laughs> would be very mean of you and untrue. Um, uh, you can watch. <laughs> nice save, nice save. <laughs> if you're watching and you're like, oh, these guys aren't funny, but just put it on mute and look at it, and you'll be even more satisfied. Yeah, we like. talked. We talked a lot about the color palette for this. It really is pushing that '60s, '70s Technicolor it's look. It's almost like, like you know, hyper saturated. Uh, yeah, we made it. We it got produced by the guys over at Stupid Buddy Studios. They they do Robot Chicken, uh, amongst many other things. Like our, we did a series called Friendship All Stars, Friendship Together. Uh, but we'd love for you to check it out. It's nerdy and funny, and <laughs> lots of people put a lot of work into it. Uh, and it has a fun us. monster fight scene uh, about two minutes in, so stick with it. You'll probably tweet it out. If anyone's listening to this, you can just look at your Twitter. I, right? I think we should read the whole URL of the Vimeo page uh, with all the code and everything. Yeah, right go to http backslash call colon Powell. Well, you know... As we always do, we'll end on saying Colin Powell's name in unison. Right. One, One two, two, three. Colin Powell. Harvey, no. Colin Powell. All right, that's our show. Thanks again for listening, and please check out Monster Island on Vimeo and share it around the internets. All of the internets, please. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Follow the show on Twitter, at BTAS Podcast, and myself, at HeyJustin. Email me at BTASpodcast at gmail.com and subscribe in iTunes. Leave a comment, review it, do all the things that are fun if you like it. You can also listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Donate to the show and get cool rewards at patreon.com slash BTASpodcast. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Thanks to my guests, Stan Berkowitz, Dan Lippert, and Harry Chaskin, who is also the voice of the podcast. Special thanks to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who showed up to Bruce Falanche's house in the middle of the night in a wedding dress and whispered, Hi, Bruce. I'm your wife. Tori, you may have taken it too far, but who am I to talk? 
See you guys in another two weeks for another Batman the Animated Podcast.